Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. I feel like I have to start the show with an apology. Curtis, can I tell you something just cruel and mean that I did this morning? Did you do something cruel and mean to Bump and I? Are we unaware of no, something that's cruel and mean? No, I did do something cruel and mean to one of you, and one of you is fully aware of it. I cut Bump in the coffee line. Wow. His stuff, he wasn't there. No one was there. So I went to get coffee, and then um, Bump didn't have time to get coffee before the show. And so for the next uh, 20, 23 minutes and 30 seconds here... It's all you. Bump's going it's, all you. it's all me. It's just me. No bump. Bump's going to take continue to take a little nap and uh, and kind of relax, and, and then he'll be back with us at ten thirty. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's an interesting morning. Not just uh, not just because Bump is going to have to be without coffee. I'm sorry, Bump, but also also because we are um, officially officially exactly a year removed from the trade of Russell Wilson. Maybe the biggest trade in Seattle sports history, certainly one of them, exactly 365 days ago today. Do you remember where you were, what you were doing? It's the anniversary, the anniversary of when this organization said, you know what, we're going a different direction. And I was in my office, I forgot what I was doing. Me and my wife share an office and our desk face each other. And I, I saw my phone light up. I just stopped talking. He goes, what happened? I go, man, Russell Wilson's got traded. And she's kind of listening. like, oh, yeah? What does that mm-hmm. mean? I'm like, it's about to go down. This is the biggest trade I can remember in Seattle sports history. Um, Curtis mentions the, the Griffey trade as well. But I was in Cali back then. Since I've been in this state for 18 years now, this was the biggest trade. And um, it just had you thinking, all right, what are they going to do? What are they going to get? You start asking all the questions that you typically ask. And you wait for all these details to come out. And I, I actually tweeted um, everyone's going to remember where they were when this went down. And then some dude was like, it's not that serious bump. It's not Who this, that, and the third. Some guy on Twitter, you know, yeah, the Twitter not world serious. is. Oh my like, God, not even that big of a deal. Front page of every sports site. Like not to you, but for people who care about Seattle sports, it was a big deal. Well, and what's interesting about it is, I, I don't want to say the writing was on the wall for it, but it's not like it was something where if the Bengals traded Joe Burrow, everyone would mm-hmm. be like, "Are you what? What? Like what? Is this a spoof account? Is this a fake Adam Schefter? What's going on?" People knew that there was some um, issue between Russell Wilson and the organization, uh, whether it was you know kind of like contract not holdouts, but. Uh, standoffs a little bit, Uh, whether it was philosophically some clear disputes between him and Pete Carroll over how they should win, Uh, whether it was little comments that he would drop about wanting the team to invest more in the offseason and not wanting to be hit as much. Um, There were there were plenty of signs that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks marriage was potentially coming to an end. I think, though, that you heard uh, Pete Carroll at the Combine talking about like, hey, we have no intention of trading Russell Wilson. And you thought, well, maybe they've got it settled for this year. Like maybe they figured it out for this year. Um, and then uh, and then, of course, the trade happens. And I thought that um, we would start the show by looking back at kind of uh, at what we've learned, because it's not just like sticking on Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. This is, again, a, if you're like, why are we talking about Russell Wilson? This was the biggest trade in Seattle sports history for a lot of people. And not only that, it had really 
unintended for Denver and surprising consequences and outcomes that I think teach us a lot about sports and a lot about football. And so I thought we'd start with some of that. Uh, Here's Pete Carroll the other day with Brock and Salk talking about what he learned since making the trade. Well, um, that sometimes you got to make tough decisions and you got to go for it. And you got to, you know, that that just reemphasized to me that sometimes you got to just say what the heck and go, you know, and and, uh, um, with really a good commitment of people and connection with the people that have to, you know, and bring in the input for those decisions, you can, you can make good, solid choices, and and, uh, and it, it worked. You know, we we it worked out tremendously for us, and, and we're that's why we're sitting in the position for this draft, and we have a some funds to work free agency because of it, and and we're excited about it too. We've had a great deal of excitement about this whole thing that's taking place, and so we're looking ahead, and and, and we didn't have to rebuild to do that, and, and I know that it may have. I, I didn't convince a lot of people of that. <laughs> I kept telling them, but we didn't have to do that mode, you know, and, and uh, we, we were able to go for it and, and uh, didn't quite get it, but uh, we were close. There is a lot here, but the first part of it is a lesson learned for Pete Carroll is sometimes you have to make easy, uh, difficult decisions and they're hard to make, but you just do it. Oh, I thought you were going to play a clip. Oh, oh no, I oh, got you. Sorry, I did. Okay. I looked back towards my computer. Is <laughs> that like, coffee? Okay. See, I ruined us. Oh, I sank this show too early by hey. not giving Bump coffee. It was the eye contact. You looked, I know, and then you I know, and then I look back. But here's the thing with, with that situation is a year ago, they had to, one, you got you had to check in with Russell Wilson to make sure this is the team you wanted to go to. And then you had to go out on a limb, right? You had to take a leap of faith and say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to, we should get some draft picks out of this deal. We're going to get a tight end, going to get a defensive uh, guy as well on that D line is Shelby Harris. And this organization is going to go in a different direction right now. They could have never predicted that it would be going this well a year later. You found Geno Smith. You played decently. You snuck into the playoffs. You got the number five pick. I guarantee you when they made that trade, they're not thinking, all right, we'll have like a top five pick. Mm -hmm. You know, they're thinking, ah, maybe 20-something. You know, you never know what's going to go over there. So being in that moment and making that decision had to be tough. When you go back and you look at what happened now, um, you feel good about what you did. You pat yourself on the back and say, okay, we're not – we didn't have to rebuild – we just fix some things. Not a year ago today, uh, but shortly following this date, Pete Carroll and John Schneider spoke with reporters, and this is what they had to say. We know that this trade um, affected us in a number of ways. We Immediately with players coming in, uh, the draft... Um, draft capital, yeah. Yeah, draft capital that we gained this, this year's draft and next year's draft um, was a rare opportunity for us. We've drafted so often on the bottom of the rounds and stuff, and, and to get opportunity to, to, to get these picks are, are huge. But also to make this happen, um, I think it's worth mentioning that we've had tremendous support from, from our ownership. So let's focus on what they got from that. He said, we have valuable draft capital now. So here we go, another year removed. Let's talk about what happened for Seattle over the last year. Uh, they were able to get the best draft class they've had since I think a lot of people would argue 2012. Yeah, man. And it all starts with one Charles Cross. What are you going to do with that number nine pick? You sure up that offensive line. Something that even Russell was complaining about, maybe uh, not directly, but uh, as close as he would get. Yeah, as close as he would get. You address the offensive line. You find some diamonds in the rough. You have two DBs here that should be here for a while now. And then you, uh, what was the third round you draft Abe Lucas? You find Abe, who might have had a better season than Charles Cross overall. So now you got two guys on that offensive line that you feel like are going to be here for a while. Uh, they just did it. They did exactly what they needed to do in a horrible situation. And you can appreciate that because there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. But you know what they did? They 
they provided more pressure for themselves this year, too. Because now you're saying, okay, you hit with that one. You signed your quarterback, a backup to Russell Wilson at the time. You convinced everyone that it was Drew Locke or Geno. You didn't need Jimmy. You didn't need Baker. No one else needed to come in here and save the day. And now you've positioned yourself to take the next step faster. I think they're about a year or two ahead of schedule. Um, I was looking at some other things that we've learned over the last year. And, again, I know that we have – uh, plenty of other things going on in sports right now. We're going to bring on Andy Ide at 1030 to talk about the Kraken. Winners of five straight, by the way, went over the Ducks last night. Um, but you look back after a trade like this, after a year when you finally have hindsight, right? Like when this trade happened, all of us would have said, oh man, I would pay money just to know what this looks like a year from now. Like what was the fallout of this? Mm-hmm. I would love to know what happened. We finally have the ability to look back and say, this was it. This is what happened. Uh, Pete Carroll learned that, you know, it's difficult to move on from a star, but sometimes you need to make a tough decision and do it. That was not something this organization did a lot of during their peak years, in part because they thought they could still be contenders. But like they didn't trade Richard Sherman. They didn't trade Earl Thomas. Both those got well, one was released and one left in free agency. Like right. you did not get much for some of the best players you've had during the last 10 years in this organization. Uh he got a uh, the team got a ton of draft capital and like you said they used it wisely they got a franchise left tackle and they got their best class in years and years um i think another thing that happened is we learned that players can be more than their narrative um or in the case of wilson sometimes less than their narrative now i think wilson's immensely talented i think he's going to have a much better season yeah. this upcoming year with sean payton but i say that point about gino not about wilson Gino's narrative was based heavily on fairly two years as a starter because we didn't have much else. But it, is it because Gino was bad or because Gino backed up three quarterbacks who never missed time? A little bit of everything. Gino yeah. was didn't play great for the New York Jets, but we also know that they didn't do a great job surrounding him with a lot of talent. You throw a youngster in that New York market, you're going to sink or going to swim. Most guys are going to sink in that position. So that's why you're looking at Aaron Rodgers right now because he can handle that. Um, but you look at just the the courage that this whole situation took, right? Because you think of Pete Carey, you think of John Snyder. When they, when they knew that Russell Wilson was going to go to the Denver Broncos, they knew what everyone was going to say. Even on the station, I'm sure people were saying, this is crazy, what are they thinking? But they had to go out there and believe and still keep the same demeanor, have the same message throughout all of this, and make it seem like it was going to be okay. For their sake, I'm glad it worked out. Could you imagine if you were here a year later, and this team is four and whatever, and they're struggling, you don't have a quarterback, you're scrambling this draft right now. Um, Thankfully, you have this capital. But uh, no, I just... I admire both in that situation. And then, sorry to go back to what you said yeah. about, about Russell Wilson. Um, you have two sides to this thing. Russell, who believes he is an elite of the elite, and he, sh- he definitely is elite, didn't play like it last year. And he had to go leave the nest to figure out how to be that and if he really was that. And then you have Schneider and Pete Carroll, who believe in their philosophy. Pete Carroll, I've done this for 10 years. Mm-hmm. This is the way it works. I have great relationships with most of our players. You mentioned Sherman, Earl, guys who, who leave on a sour note. And sometimes you don't know what you got to has gone in. You had you had to separate. So both guys, I admire Russell Wilson for wanting to be that guy. You want to play with quarterbacks who want to be that guy. You don't want to get in the huddle and have a guy get on that knee and take the play. You have no belief in him because he's not prepared and mm-hmm. he doesn't believe. Then on the other side, you have Pete Carroll and John Schneider who says, look, this is how we run this household. 
All right, if you can't play by my rules, okay, then right. you're welcome to leave. I wish you the best, and we'll see what happens. So both sides, man, courage on both sides, but it worked out better for one. Absolutely. Uh, the final point I wanted to get to, and again, we're going to kind of explore this a bit later in the show too. Uh, the Seahawks in no way lost this trade. No amount of mental, mental gymnastics can paint the Seahawks as losers in this trade. They came away with less no. draft capital, parting ways with someone that they philosophically just, you know, weren't vibing with. Uh, and then they got a ton of draft capital in one of their best draft classes in years and years. However, did they answer the question of the long-term answer at quarterback? I think they're still waiting to find out. You can win the trade and still not quite have an answer there. Gino provides a short-term solution. Maybe they get to a Super Bowl and win with Gino. Who knows? I've I've learned that we never really know what a season holds sometimes. But we are waiting to see if they're going to take the approach once again of drafting a young quarterback, building that guy up, having that guy as the answer for 10 years. It's the one thing that I will add on and say, we feel good about the trade. The Seahawks won the trade. They're in a good spot right now because of that trade. It doesn't mean they have the answer long-term at quarterback. Nah, so got some work to do. You have a short-term deal. And who knows? Geno could play out of his mind for the next couple years, and you feel good about even extending that situation. But, no, I think they like the situation at the end because they have a guy, a veteran, who runs their stuff, who knows their stuff. Been what? This will be his third year with Shane Waldron now. But you also have the opportunity to go out and draft a dude. You know what's crazy about this draft class, too? The closer we get to this draft, the more this class is just amazing now. I remember going into this this offseason, we're saying, oh, this isn't really the draft class. I mean, you have Bryce, you have CJ. But the closer you get to the draft, the more hype these guys. For these quarterbacks. Uh, for these quarterbacks. Mean, yeah. For Levis, for Richardson, for Bryce, for CJ. The more you're hearing about them. So um, because they're getting amped up. The Seahawks are just sitting back like, yeah, amp these dudes up. We got the number five. We're in complete control of our situation right now when it comes to the draft, where they have to continue to improve our offseason acquisitions and free agency. Hit with a Jenna Nwosu. Mm-hmm. You need one guy to hit like you did with a Jenna. And you feel even better about your situation. That's exactly right. Uh, so, again, we are going to be talking about this a little bit later. Um First, uh, at 11, we're going to get to some former Seahawks stars now available in free agency. Speaking of free agency bump, we're going to talk about whether we'd sign any of those guys. Maybe some rumors we're hearing. Uh, of course, you've got the Lamar story that's going to be huge news. ESPN Broncos reporter uh, Jeff Legwold is going to join us later today to kind of talk about what he's learned in the year since this trade. I think it's a fascinating conversation. It, it changed a lot of NFL conversations, right? It's Someone was saying, Russ is living rent-free. That's not what it is. It's that this is this became one of the most fascinating trades I can remember. It's our family history. It's a family history, and it's an anniversary. <laughs> Does he actually get the number five pick in because next, year's, or next month's draft because of this trade? Guys, this is huge. It's huge. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, all right, but we're going to get to the Kraken at 1030. Kraken insider Andy I going to join us first, though. Time for Headline Rewrites. Extra, extra, read all about it. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. <laughs> Headline number one, Lamar Jackson was given the non-exclusive franchise tag by the Ravens and can negotiate with other teams. What's the real headline? The response from other teams, not passing the smell test. Nah, some some's going down. Too many teams out there who need a quarterback who are saying, nah, we're good on Lamar. Are you really good on Lamar? And if you really feel that way, then you're not doing the best you possibly can for your organization and the players on your team. Lamar Jackson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yes, he was banged up last year. I understand the hesitancy there. But to just flat out say, nah, Mm -hmm. we're good, Mm -hmm. it's a little fishy. 
We'll get to that. J.J. Watt, who obviously no longer in the league, but certainly an important voice in the NFL, uh, mentioned that it's looking a little suspicious. He was like, what am I missing? What am I missing on this one? This number of teams have come out and said that they don't intend to acquire Lamar Jackson via trade. This non-exclusive franchise tag makes him still available via trade and allows him to negotiate with other teams. He's a former MVP player, still in his, uh, what is he, in his early 20s, mid-20s? 26. 26 years old, former MVP who's only got like 16 losses ever on his record. I mean, this team is exceptional with him and struggles without him. And it it's a little weird to, to you know, see so many teams openly pass. Now, the reason that people are alluding to any kind of collusion has to do with potentially that guaranteed contract number. There's this idea, uh, and this is kind of what's behind it, that when the Browns gave Deshaun Watson that deal, the rest of the league was not happy with it. And that this is because Lamar Jackson, a player, stands to make a lot of guaranteed money and the league doesn't want to see another fully guaranteed contract. That definitely has something to or do owners, with it. owners, I should say. Owners came together yeah. on an email account that nobody can find and said, look, we got to make sure this doesn't happen anymore. And Lamar, from his side, is looking at it and goes, yeah, I'm better than Deshaun Watson. I got an MVP. I'm an all-pro. I need that guaranteed money, too. So good luck to Lamar, man. Someone is going to bite, though. And Lamar should feel disrespected right now. That team gave you a non-exclusive. They say, yeah, go ahead and see what's out there. That's disrespectful. He's done too much for that organization over the past five seasons. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, the Kraken took it to the Ducks last night for their fifth straight win. Here's Jared McCann with his 31st goal of the season. See if they have enough energy. Veneers knocked away. Larson, trailer. McCann scores! Oh, that's what he does! The twisted wrister, he loves going short side high, and he rips that one into the twine, his 31st of the year. What's the real headline? No big deal for a team that's already had two seven-game win streaks. Now, technically, one became an an eight-game win streak, but um, it's great news for the Kraken. Been here before. You know, I'm trying to act like like I'm too big (laughs) for this. Uh, No big deal. Not not blown away by it. Um, It is very, very good news, though, for, for a team that's been... Looking like a playoff team, though still with some holes. And so any kind of streak is obviously enjoyable, especially when these points, racking these up, are really important right now. Yeah, I read an article. I think it was dated well four or five days ago, and it had the Kraken with a 96% chance to make the playoffs. And they needed to go on a run like this. I think they have, what, nine, what something between 19 and 25 games left, something like that. So, yeah, they need to put some, some games together. Five goals, five goals, four, three, five. That's what you wanted to see. Get healthy, stay healthy, keep making plays. Ottawa next. Yeah. A question from a listener. Uh, is the Lamar issue more about giving up the cash and two firsts? Because if you were to trade for Lamar with this yeah. franchise tag, you'd have to give up two firsts. Mm-hmm. I think that given the trades we've seen for other guys, I don't know that two first rounds initially are keeping teams that are really desperate for making these moves. I do think it's about owners not wanting to give up as much guaranteed money. I'm sure that has something to do with it, though, right? There's a benefit if a team were to want to acquire Lamar. You get those two first rounders. But uh, it comes down to money, guaranteed money. And Lamar should ask for as much money as possible because that's just what the market is. Blame the Browns and Deshaun Watson. You cannot blame Lamar looking at that situation and saying, okay, this is where we at. Mm -hmm. This is how I'm going to play this. You guys don't want to do it. You're being disrespectful. I'll go see what else is out there. Hopefully somebody will pay this dude. Speaking of quarterback contracts, Curtis, what's our next headline? Headline rewrites. 
Headline number three, Daniel Jones somehow landed a $160 million deal from the New York Giants. What's the real headline? We're still trying to figure it out, too. Still trying to figure it out, too. Four years, $160 million. Daniel Jones was a guy that they sent out there and basically said, don't mess it up. And a lot of people, we actually spoke with Max Kellerman Bump, who said, I like, uh, to be frank, Daniel Jones more than Gino because Daniel Jones did a lot without any weapons. Sure. Okay. But are we thinking that with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Jones would be as good a, like, passing, purely passing threat, right? Like, he can pick stuff up with his legs, but it felt like the responsibility for him was don't mess things up. Yeah, that's his X factor, is that he can run the rock over 700 yards and seven touchdowns. And here's a perfect example of once you get into the league, you need one coach with influence to like you. Now, I'm sure there are many coaches on that staff that like it, but Dayball says, look, I got my man. He can run the offense that I've been around. I'm comfortable with him. And he came in with him. This is his quarterback. So relationships matters there. You tag Saquon Barkley. You see what other moves that you made. But you look at Dayon Joseph's numbers, and they don't pop out when it comes to throwing the football. But what do you do when you run the football with your quarterback? You put him at risk. Mm-hmm. Who is your backup quarterback? That's the reason why Lamar's all banged up right now, because you run the heck out of him. Good for Daniel Jones. Never going to hate on a man getting his money. No. But I look at that situation, I go, well, I wouldn't pay that much for him. But Dayball has his guy. He wants him there. That's why this worked out. It allowed the Giants to place the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. So at the end of it, Saquon and Daniel Jones both stay in New York. Uh, two of the most important pieces of their playoff run this year. Uh, all right. The Kraken are winners of five straight. Kraken insider Andy Ide going to join us next. Don't go anywhere. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Hey guys, don't forget you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast. That's wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Apple, wherever. Please rate and review if you do subscribe. Uh, all right, the Kraken are winners of five straight, and we're going to have Kraken insider Andy I joining us right now to talk about this team. He's on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Andy, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're great. I mean, uh, look, the coolest shot from last night's game or goal from last night's game may not have come for the Kraken, but the most important <laughs> thing is that they won. I mean, how important is it right now for them to be racking up these points? Oh, it's vital. Just however they can get it, even if it's an overtime loss, you just need to keep getting points. Uh, the race in the West and in the Pacific Division is so tight that. You know, you lose a couple of games, it's going to feel like you're out of it. But then, you know, they did a week ago, they lost three in a row, and then they come right back with five straight. And they're they're two points off the, the, the division lead right now. Uh, they're trailing Vegas, so uh, they should be pretty happy with how how it's gone. Man, last time we spoke to you, um, I think Grubauer was struggling. <laughs> what have you seen out of him lately? How yeah. how important is it that he's getting going to? Yeah, he, he's, he's been awesome. Uh, he really has been good since he came back from injury back in January. Uh, uh, you know, he had a couple of rough games out there last couple of weeks, but uh, <clears throat> that's going to happen in the NHL. Uh, it's, it's, you know, having him, having a guy that you can trust, uh, which it seems like they can now. They're, they're kind of making him the number one goalie. He's getting the bulk of the starts. Uh, he's rewarded them. You know, he's, he's looking really confident and really sure of himself. And, uh, that's gonna that's gonna be huge if he can continue that way down the stretch here. Do you think he can? I think so. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he's played below how good he is since yeah. he's been in Seattle. 
And so I think we're just now starting to see the Grubauer that they they were expecting when they went out and, and got him in, in free agency uh, during the expansion draft. Man, who's been the catalyst to this run? I mean, usually when teams go on these five, six-game win streaks, there's somebody doing a little something extra out there. Do we have that with the Kraken? A little bit, but that's but kind of the strength of their team has just been that, that you know they've got four lines that can beat you, and they're getting scoring from another lineup. But Jared McCann has been exceptionally good. You know, he had a goal last night. He, he's, he's just scoring. It seems like every game he's, he's picking up a goal. He's got a great shot. Uh, yeah, we we razzed him a little bit post game last night because he almost killed the media during morning skate where a puck got over the glass and <laughs> almost wiped us all out. But uh, we, it was we, a we sacrifice you guys were going to make. That's the thing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he, he did. He did point and says and blame it on uh, La Tolvanen, but I think I'm pretty sure it was him. <laughs> but uh, he's he's been pretty solid and consistent really all year long. But you know, he's got 31 goals, so he becomes the first Kraken to 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 crack the 30 goal mark. Uh, you know, he's having a career year. He's had two career years in a row. And I think he's just a study of what it, what it means when you finally get a chance to play, right? He was behind yeah. Malkin and Crosby in Pittsburgh. And so he just, he's still young. Uh, you know, they, they signed, they resigned him to a longer term contract last year. And that's sure looking like it's a great decision. Uh, your article uh, recapping this one, uh, you actually had a quote from McCann, and he said, look, we're just trying to trying to stay ahead of Edmonton, trying to get in a better position for the playoffs. Great. He said, we need to be focused every single night. We're going to have to play well every single night. And it sounds like that typical like post-game stuff that you hear from players or coaches. Uh, but in this case, it's true, right? <laughs> you stay yeah. ahead of Edmonton. This is a tight race in the Pacific Division right now <laughs> at the top between these three teams. Um, so let's talk about how they can do that, how they can play well every night if they're going to be able to do that, which they're not going to play well every single night. But, I mean, let's talk about, like, the mm-hmm. next three games, right? Who's got to show up? What's got to go well? Who, who's got to keep doing what they're doing? Well, they got to just, as a team, continuing to play well. As, you know, defensively, when they play well defensively, when they check, when they don't give teams a lot of opportunities that they didn't last night, I mean, they gave up the one goal early, which was just a ridiculous goal that mm-hmm. <laughs> wasn't going to stop to Trevor Zegers. But if they continue to play that way defensively and, and take away time and space, this team is really hard to beat when they when they you know when they when they check well and they, they create offense off of defense. And so they got to continue that. They can't. They don't. Want, they don't want to get. I mean, as fun as that Boston game was, you don't want to. You don't want to continue in that and play that kind of up and down hockey. That's just not their style. Mm. Uh, you know, although they can do it, but you know they they just got to keep you know using their relying on their depth and and it all starts defensively. They got to check well. Four games before we link up with Edmonton, Ottawa, Dallas, Dallas, San Jose. Can we go four and zero? What are you thinking there? Uh, well, the Dallas games are going to be tough. That's who with Dallas. I haven't played them yet, but Dallas is leading the Central Division right now, so they're a good team. Uh, you know, San Jose they should beat, but they did lose to San Jose a couple weeks ago uh, on President's Day. It was we a, don't a need to talk about that game, Andy. Game. <laughs> 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 so, I, I normally I would say, oh yeah, San Jose, no yeah. problem. But recent history has me questioning that a little bit. But they still should beat them. You know, the, the way they handled Anaheim last night. Anaheim, you know, is, is a team that's that's struggling and 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 really in the in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. But uh, it, the tank is on there, and it should be on in San Jose as well. Uh, Ottawa's going to be an interesting team because they they have struggled at times this year, but they mm-hmm. loaded up a little bit at the trade deadline, so. They're going to look different than the Ottawa we've seen before, although they just they just did lose to Chicago 5 nothing. So I don't know what you're going to get out of Ottawa. They're going to be a little bit of a mystery coming up here. But 
Oh, Dallas games are the toughest ones in the next uh, stretch here. Hey, we were kind of uh, likening the potential return of Andre Burkowski to when Mitch Haniger came back mm-hmm. for Seattle after the trade deadline, the uh, midseason trade deadline, uh, where they were kind of like, look, yeah, we needed some help, but we were able to bring him back. Now, the Kraken don't need a ton of help when it comes to offense. Like in an ideal world, they'd get like great goaltending, right? Or like even more yeah. defensive help. But uh, Burkowski coming back certainly helps. Any update on uh, on on his situation? Yeah, you know, Hackstall talked about him yesterday morning after their morning skate a little bit. You know, he's been out four weeks. Uh, he is rehabbing. Uh, we, we've heard rumors that he's been on the ice a few times. So, but I still think you're probably a, a week or two out with him, but he will be a welcome return. You know, he was leading them in scoring and, you know, while, while they're doing fine offensively, it never hurts to have that extra, you know, bullet you're going or however you want to put it. Uh, you know, he, he, he's not the best offensive player, but he does drive play a lot. He's, he's good on their power play, which has been up and down. Uh, so yeah, they definitely want him back. And they definitely do look at him as a, as an acquisition, you know, that they, they, they didn't make the trade deadline. They also look at Eli Tolvin in that way. They've had Tolvin since December, but he's just been a revelation for him. And they got him as a, a surprise off waivers. They paid nothing for him. Uh, he had a big goal last night and he, and he really helped them a lot. So while they didn't do anything at the trade deadline, they do have these guys, you know, that have, that have come and are coming that are almost like trades. Andy, what I love about YouTube is that you can always go back and find um, just games and highlights and stuff. So I want you to go back in your memory and tell me what is the best gong show that you've seen that I can look up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, there's a, you can find a lot of great brawls from the 70s and 80s if you go back. Uh, there, there was one between Montreal uh, and I believe Philadelphia where they got in a fight during warm-ups, pre-game warm-ups. When there were no refs on the ice, <laughs> and uh, guys were coming out of the dressing room and already left, like you know they had, had they had, didn't have their pads on anymore, and they were joining the fight. That that might be the biggest gong show I've ever seen. Uh, uh, highlights of you know I, I wasn't watching obviously I was too young, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I've seen it since. It's uh, it's good theater back. Yeah, you know hockey's not like that anymore. You don't really have brawls anymore. Uh, yeah, I always like to point out that there's more. Best clearing brawls in baseball every year than there are in, in hockey. So, uh, but that, I would look up if you look up if you just Google that Montreal brawl, uh, you'll find the, you'll find some good stuff. Got you. I'm on it. <laughs> I almost forgot that we have bumps hockey vocab at the end, but thankfully we still were able to get to it. Uh, he is Kraken Insider Andy. I joins us every single Wednesday at 10:30. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks, Andy. My pleasure. Talk to you guys later. Have See a good one. You are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Happy anniversary, y'all. One year ago today, we saw what might be the biggest trade in Seattle sports history. With the benefit of hindsight, we can finally figure out what we and the rest of the NFL have learned. So what was the most surprising outcome? That's next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Still to come on today's show, we are talking Mariners with Shan and Dreyer. That'll be in our final hour. She'll join us at 1 p.m. We're also going to have a visit from ESPN Broncos reporter Jeff Legwell. Before we get to any of that, we learned a lot from the Russell Wilson trade. In fact, we talked about it, Bump, to open the show. But what was the most surprising outcome? I have three potential picks. Uh, I think that the first to me and to anyone is probably the most immediately ob- immediately obvious. Now, 
You can look at the second half of 2020 and a very uneven 2021 campaign for Russell Wilson and say, hey, Russell Wilson was in decline. Bump, I know that you and I have talked about the end of Russell Wilson's tenure in Seattle, and you've said the same, where you would notice kind of like trends that he would have and things he would do where you were like, oh, this is a little, this might be a problem, right? right. But Russell Wilson's overall play in 2022, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. And if you did, congrats, do your victory dance. But, like, let me tell you what. I remember the tweets. I remember the texts. I remember the articles and the takes from March 8th, 2022. No one, very few people, were actually predicting this, that it would be this bad. No, you shouldn't have. You look at just what he did the year before that. In 14 games, 64% completion rate. We're talking 2021 before he went to the Broncos. 3,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. In 15 games. One more game in Denver, you go 60% completion, 3,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and was sacked 55 times. So you look at the stats just on the surface, and you say, was they responsible with the ball? Might have held on to the ball too long. Um, Just not a good year for Russell Wilson. Never in my life would I think that at this point of his career, he would have a stat line like that. No. But some things happen. I always mm-hmm. point this out to people because, like we mentioned, it's a team sport. Yesterday we mentioned Geno can't win the Super Bowl by himself. Yeah. Russell ain't going to lose by himself. Quarterback, yep. I mean, excuse me, wide receiver situation, offensive line, and then the off-the-field stuff that didn't help his mental on the field. He loses his, uh, his coach the year before that. Mm-hmm. There are some things that affected Russell Wilson. To sit here and just bash him and say that it's done, I don't know, he's got 10 years of excellent play before that to let you – to make you believe that he's capable of bouncing back. But when you look at this whole thing, just the poor player, Russell Wilson, to me, had to be the biggest surprise. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of the Geno argument. Like, whenever I saw people arguing against paying Geno, I'd see, like, well, you have one year of good play and, you know, six years of him being a backup. Well, for Russell Wilson, you had the better part of a decade of him being good. Not just like, oh, he's serviceable, good. Good enough for other teams to call about trades and good enough for this team to pay him, what, twice? Two more times in addition to his rookie deal? Mm -hmm. Uh he was tied to the success of this team, to a Super Bowl trip for this, to two Super Bowl trips for this team, to winning seasons for this team. You can hate Russell Wilson. You can not like Russell Wilson. You can feel the way you want about him and still recognize that he was a baller. Um, so his struggles, you and I both expect them to improve uh, in 2023, but the depth of them was surprising. Uh, what about you? What's the most surprising outcome from the Russell Wilson trade? Most surprising outcome would be his fall from grace. Like overall. Overall. For sure. Because, yes, even when he was here, there were rumblings about he doesn't like this, he doesn't yeah. like that. But there are some things you can always depend on. He was going to come into the podium, whether you liked it or not. He's going to say all the right things. Yeah. He's going to point out everybody else, show mm-hmm. some love. He's going to the hospital on Tuesdays. There are some things that you can always bank on when it comes to Russell Wilson. And because he was ours at the time, I think he overlooked some stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because he's yours. Just the way that people talk about Russell now in Seattle is completely different. And you could say, oh, it's because he went to a different team and he abandoned us. And I, I get all that. You can feel that way. Uh, Bobby's situation was a bit different. But the way that he was received when he came back to Lumen is completely different. Again, circumstances are different. There's some details that you can't ignore in those situations. But just the way that people view him and talk about him now is, uh, is crazy. And I always go back to um, when they flew over 
to Europe and he's talking about doing high knees yes. in the aisle when it's like, yeah, I was doing high knees. They were sleeping, but I'm always trying to get better. So I ask myself, and I'm going to ask you guys the text lines too, were we just ignoring that? Because we always had our little something about Russell. Like, oh, it might not be authentic. Probably not the, mm-hmm. the greatest when it comes to relationships. But as soon as he left, man, we're nitpicking the heck out of this dude. And um, I have to ask myself that. I'm like, man, is it? Was I ignoring it? And now that he's gone, I'm just I'm just all over it. That was my thing is just, man, his fall from grace was dramatic. It happened quickly. Yes, it was like everyone else uh, getting in on this weird joke about him. And it became controversial because, again, there was nothing he was doing that made him a horrible person. So people were like, why are you dragging this guy when other people have done, you know, the same season Deshaun Watson gets his fully guaranteed contract and people are being so critical of Russell Wilson. Like, I remember a lot of those arguments, but it felt like it was the first time that, like, the joke was out there in the open. And for anyone who thinks, like, oh, Russell Wilson was only like this the last couple of years, I've covered Russell Wilson for almost the entirety of his career. He's always kind of been like this. <laughs> like, a little, a little. And there's, there, he is. He's a little different, and there's nothing wrong with it. But yeah. like, I did this interview with the Denver station, and they were like dragging me for it, uh, saying that I was saying he was a toxic locker room presence, which he absolutely was not. Um, but he was just different. He's not super personable. He's not. He's very professional, but to a T, right? Like he's he's just unique. He's incredibly prepared, but also incredibly guarded. Like none of it's bad morally. It's just different. Um, I'm going to end on one final note. We got about a minute 30 left. Bump, we got to talk about the final surprise. Has nothing to do with Russell Wilson. Geno Smith as a pro bowler mm. and comeback player of the year and now the owner of a three-year $105 million contract. No way I thought Geno's going to be a pro bowler. No way none of you thought he's going to be a pro bowler. Maybe some of you. KJ's been the closest to predicting this past year I've heard out of anybody. KJ nailed him as far as the the record, getting into the playoffs, all that stuff. But, yeah, Geno Smith was the biggest surprise out of all of this. And without Geno Smith, we're looking at this team completely different Mm -hmm. at this point of the year um, than if he were not able to do what he does. So, big ups to Geno. Biggest surprise in the league. Comeback player of the year for a reason. Easy. I mean, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it gets started in week one. Like, the reason that that quote became so popular, like, they write me, they ain't right back, though, was because people did write him off. Like, it's because we were all, collectively, we, the NFL yeah. audience, was like, he's right. <laughs> I definitely wrote him off. You know? Yeah. That was part of it. I remember saying, like, back in June, hey, I think Gino's going to be the starter because Pete Carroll clearly loves this guy. He's getting nearly every single first-team snap, but I don't think Gino will stay the, the starter. Like, that was my take. Mine, too. I agreed with you. I yeah. said, we'll see. We'll see Drew eventually. Exactly. Well, yep. Eventually we'll see him. Yep. But Gino, no, he, he fought... He fought through the hatred. Not really hatred. It was doubt. Um, just doubt. doubt. People were really not believing yeah. that he was capable of doing it. Again, go back to my first point in the first segment. Pete Carroll and John Schneider look like geniuses right now. Granted, Russell had to want to go to Denver. right? He had influence on that. But for them to just say, all right, that's enough. We're not even going to fight for this no more. You go ahead and do you. I'm going to do me. We got two quarterbacks who are going to battle it out, and one of them make it to the Pro Bowl? Come on now. It was a tough decision. I think now we can all say it was the right one. All right. Everyone loves a reunion, right? Everyone loves a reunion. Uh, Well, there are four opportunities for the Seahawks to have a reunion of their own with a familiar face. We'll tell you what you need to know next.